0: Take your Bibles and find uh, the epistle to the Romans, the letter to the Romans, uh, chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Back in the fall of 1990, there was an occasion that was... uh, I wouldn't say life-changing but it was one of those experiences that uh, of life that you just kind of go this is unique and it was um, dangerous but yet uh, was uh, something that uh, was something that had been trained over time because in the fall of 1990 i was taking uh, what was known as flight school i was working on a degree that included the fact of being a pilot Uh, I was getting a Bible degree, but part of that was uh, I was also taking flight training uh, at uh, the university that I was at. And there in the university, they had an airport that was uh, just a couple of miles from the uh, campus that uh, I had an airplane that I flew. Uh, I started off and it was a bright orange and white airplane. We joked about that because it would be easy to find on the ground if it ever crashed. It was a plane that was basically uh, had the body and the wings covered in canvas. It wasn't like a metal frame on it. It was uh, actually designed to uh, take off uh, shorter uh, takeoffs and runways and and be able to do that and land on shorter runways. Uh, It was designed for uh, flying into the country, basically, and landing in, in difficult spots. But uh, when I started off, uh, it was always that I had uh, my uh, instructor there, Mr. Cecil Toon, who was uh, a Vietnam uh, fighter pilot that had uh, worked and and served there. But he would sit on the right side of the plane, and I would sit on the left uh, of the plane and fly. And and starting off, I was thankful that we were at a very— The airport there is a kind of small airport every once in a while a small business corporate jet flies in there and the like but it's mainly just private airplanes and the like and so what would typically happen is that we would go in the taxiway we would go out into the runway we would call through everything we would take off we would go around and then we would come back and we would land again and we would do this over and over and over again in fact for about uh, if i remember two or three weeks we did this type of thing and he just was getting us familiar with the the plane and the like and and we did take a trip to a different airport and and come back but uh it was basically just takeoffs and landings i can remember on one afternoon that uh, we were taking off and landing and the like and then doing all of that that my instructor looked at me and he said okay he goes uh i'm getting out of the plane right here we're on the taxiway he says, I'm getting out of the plane right here. He goes, you're waiting to do the takeoff. He goes, I'll, you know, get out of the plane. He goes, I'll let you take off, fly the airplane and uh, land it. And then he says, uh, do that two times and then come back and pick me up on the taxiway. So he just climbs out of the airplane while the engine's running and he just goes off to the side. And, you know, I guess, you know, got out of the plane before bad things happened. I don't know. Uh, but uh, took off and uh, everything went like just happened before. And landed the plane and then went through the whole taxiing process again and then took off and landed again and went and picked up my instructor. Uh, It was uh, later that we started doing other things like flying at night, which that's extremely dangerous, uh, but we did some night flying. uh, And uh, at times we did fly into airports that actually had commercial jets. That's really frightening because you have to talk to people who are really serious Uh, in the tower and uh, they have certain rules and guidelines and things that they do differently than you just being at a rinky-dink airport and perhaps calling over the radio and saying to people I'm here and I'm going to land my plane in a certain way I'm coming from a certain direction and do that Uh, and so that you know really got frightening but uh, all of that was designed to train and get me used to different environments, and you slowly built up uh, to where uh, you were able to fly the plane on your own for multiple hours across country. That's one of the major things they have you do is you fly across country and you go to multiple different airports, uh, and you have to be able to prove that you can get there and back uh, by yourself and be able to do that before the instructor finally puts you through a test and he takes you and has somebody else test you. You do a written test but you also then do a flight test and you have somebody test you and they go, okay, you are now officially licensed to be able to fly VFR. You go, what does that mean? I can fly when there aren't clouds blocking my vision. You know, I can't fly in a rainy day is basically what it's saying and I shouldn't be flying on a rainy day because I haven't learned how to use instruments in clouds uh, and the like. I say all of that because there is uh, a process of having people grow and learn uh, the Christian life. You just don't start them off in the middle of uh, a major uh, situation and say, okay, you're on your own. In fact, what God did is that He created a body for us as uh, new believers to be able to function in get training in learn how to live out the christian life with people who understand you're just learning you're just starting out you're 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 growing in some of the the, these areas but they understand that you might not get everything right and so what the Lord does is that when a person gets saved, it's not that they're just merely uh, saved and it's like, okay, go out into the cruel world and enjoy uh, you know, trying to survive out there. No, God gives uh, people the church, or we would say this, the body to be part of. To learn how to function as a believer. Learn how to do things that God has gifted them to do. And in Romans chapter 12, we're going to go through in the next couple of weeks, we're working through this sermon series, it's called Reflecting Christ, and you go, what are we doing with that? We're looking at passages that have the idea of one another, or one to another, or one of another. It's the same word in the Greek, but it's the idea that you are reflecting or you're doing something that other things that people are doing to you, you're reflecting this back and what's been done to you by christ you're reflecting this out towards others uh it's just part of the process and we looked as we started off is that the most uh the the major idea as you go through the scripture when it's connected to one another is the idea of loving one another i mean the whole aspect of uh, reflecting christ is that you're reflecting a love that you've already experienced you've experienced it in the cross the love of god the father the love of god the son who is willing to die in your place and then you reflect that selflessness that's what love is it's simply defined as selflessness or a sacrificial nature or sacrifice this is how you live out your life demonstrating what christ is like in a life of service and sacrifice and selflessness towards others and so there's a lot of passages like that, and if you didn't get uh, the sheet on that, I think we still have the sheet back there of all the verses, the, the big eight by a half by eleven sheet, uh, and you can go through some of those. But the second section that, uh, or I would say this, the second passage of Scripture that has a lot of the one another's is found in the, the second half of Romans, the second half of romans starts in romans chapter 12 and goes right to the end and and what you find is that many people read through romans chapter 1 and they get to romans chapter 11 and it's it's all pretty much doctrine and what's getting settled for you is what are uh well how does a person get saved and what does that then mean when a person is saved The apostle paul answers questions throughout this that a a saved person is no longer under the dominion of sin they're not working for their salvation uh that uh, god is at work and and in our lives but there's not a whole lot of commands it's just you absorbing in romans 1 through 11 all these facts and all this teaching and you then are going well what do i do with all this kind of classroom learning that i've gotten and it's in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 that you have a whole passage change that happens where the Apostle Paul says, okay, I'm, I'm done, you know, emphasizing teaching. And now what I'm telling you is this, you now need to start doing. As James says, we ought to be more than just hearers of the word, but we also ought to be what? Doers of the word. And the Apostle Paul changes his tone, and you go, and suddenly, verse after verse after verse, you're hearing commands, actions, activities that you need to be doing. But it's on the basis of something. Uh, This passage uh, is one that uh, we all ought to to know, starting off in verse 1 and 2. It says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren and okay, Uh, brothers and sisters, By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's the logical thing to do. You've had these 11 chapters to think through. What are the benefits of salvation? What does it mean to be saved? All of these things. Now, the logical thing for you to do is to display that. Verse 2 and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove that which is good and acceptable and the perfect that is the will of god what you have the ability and the opportunity to do is to reflect christ reflect what his will is in your activities and your actions And for us, uh, the one another that is in this passage, you go through Romans 12, 13, 14, 15, you'll find a number of one another's as we go through the next couple of weeks that we'll deal with. But the one another that we're going to deal with in this section is just merely this, is that believers start out by using God's gifts to one another or God's gifts to one another in the church. Okay, You, you start off in the church using something that god's given you now when we got saved it was more than the fact that we just were given a freedom from the penalty of sin we were released from that and that's it i've just been saved and my sins are forgiven no there was a whole lot of things that happened when you got saved And one of the things that happened when you got saved is that the Spirit of God started to dwell in you. He took up residence in you. You don't have to look for the Spirit to to be in you. There are some uh, denominations and belief systems that uh, think that you have to seek the, the Spirit coming upon you and dwelling in you. And as you look through the Scripture, when you're saved, you're baptized in the Spirit, and you have the Spirit of God in you. And so right from the start, you have something and someone in you that can reflect the character of Jesus Christ. and so for a believer as they start off a believer starts off when they get saved the spirit comes into them they are uh, start off by being renewed and they're thinking about themselves that's oftentimes the problem with individuals when they get when they're not saved they've got what wrong thinking and you think about what repentance truly is literally at the background of that word it's just the idea that i'm changing my mind i'm changing my thinking i'm then changing my direction because my thinking's different but a person has wrong thinking before they get saved that's not to say you don't have it after you're saved you still have that flesh nature but you now have something helping you in this And what Paul starts off, and we're going to look tonight at uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 3, right on through verse 8. You have this uh, idea of using gifts, spiritual gifts. Verse 3 says this, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith for as we have many members in one body and all members have not the same office so we being many are one body in christ and everyone members one of another and then it goes on to talk about some of these gifts that are given having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us whether prophecy let us prophesy uh, according to the proportion of faith or ministry let us wait on our ministering or he that teacheth on teaching or he that exhorteth on exhortation or he that giveth let him do it with simplicity he that ruleth well with diligence he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness that's the end of the, the passage But believers start off, as you look at this, they start off with a renewing of their their thinking about themselves. The Apostle Paul uses himself as an illustration. You may not have caught this, but as Paul starts this, he says, For I say, through the grace given unto me. The idea of that word grace there is the idea of gifting. We get the idea of uh, uh, the charismatic gifts from this, but it's the word that has the grace, but it's the idea of a gift. We have been gifted, and the Apostle Paul says, by the gifting that I have. Well, you say, what kind of gifting did Paul have? When he was on the road to Damascus and he got saved, what did Paul uh, find out that his gift now was? it was simply this as he goes in and Bartimaeus comes in and he is hearing the message uh, before and then when Bartimaeus or excuse me Bartimaeus Ananias comes in lays hands on him he finds out that he's going to be an apostle to the Gentiles he's going to have an official position in the church of one who has a founding uh, opportunity in the church but Paul didn't choose to be an apostle It wasn't that when he got saved and now he is thinking and contemplating on what he's going to do with his life that he said you know what i'm going to be an apostle no the apostle excuse me paul realized that he had been gifted this position the spirit enabling him to do this well And so he just starts off and says, I've been gifted, and I'm just telling you this, it's not that I'm doing what I'm doing by natural ability. I'm not doing this by natural gifts and talents. Though Paul before this had been a leader, he'd been a leader of the Jews and the like, but he's just saying, I am telling you this, I'm in the same category as you. I've been gifted to do certain things. When I got saved, the Spirit enabled me to do certain things. And the apostle made mention of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He said this, for I am the least of the apostles. And he he saw this, I'm the least of the apostles, I'm not meet to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace which was bestowed upon me was not vain it wasn't empty but i labored more abundantly than they all yet not i but the grace of god which was with me therefore whether it were i or they so we preach and so ye believed he's talking to the church at corinth there and he said i came in and the impact that i had on your life it was because god had gifted me and though he saw himself as not deserving of being an apostleship See, Paul is an illustration of one who's got his thinking right. Because you get to the end of that verse in verse 3, he says this, I'm telling you by the gift that I've been given, so he's just acknowledging the fact that he's not doing this as his own strength, but he says this, that you're not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think soberly. I mean, this idea as you go through the passage that, every person might uh, go into the church and just simply say this, that I somehow may be more important than somebody else. This was the problem of several uh, different churches where they would see somebody who got saved and they were there and they were somebody impressive in society. A ruler, a leader, a rich person. And they would go, well, this person's a somebody and it seems like at times you had individuals that got inflated in their sense of who they were in the church. And the Apostle Paul goes, don't go there. In fact, you read through of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 13 and 14, the, the Apostle is attempting to go through and correct a wrong thinking because there were certain people going, look at the gift I've got i'm more impressive than you are and the gift that they were showing off which was the showy gift as it's described uh, was the gift of being able to speak in a foreign tongue and to speak clearly in a known foreign tongue be able to do this in something they'd never been trained in and the church at corinth were raising up people or they were raising up themselves going look at me i'm really great god must like me because he's given me this gift and you don't have it And for Paul, he's just simply saying, remember this, you're gifted in the activities that you have, the things that you're doing, the opportunities that you have, uh, and they start off in the church. You are not the one that is the impressive one. It's God being able to take you, the material you're made out of, and be able to do something through you through his gifting. There's no room for boasting. There's no uh element of being able to say I'm really impressive. And from the start, the apostle Paul just goes, "Okay, you you come to a body of believers like this, don't go and look around and go, I'm more important than that person and I got better gifts than that person." Just from the start. And you say, "Why would the apostle Paul start with that?" Because pride is the issue for everyone. You think about this, when a person's unsaved, they are energized by the prince of this world. And you go, what was his major sin that caused him to fall? It was pride. He was boasting that he was the person who had the position of guarding the throne of God and he was lifted up in his own soul and his own mind and says this, I will be like the Most High God. The answer is no, he, he wouldn't be. His position that he had was a gift from God. God had created him and given him a specific task to do. Uh and uh he had that opportunity. Well, we as sinners reflect that nature of us thinking that we're more important than everybody else. That we have somehow uh better gifts. And right from the start, the apostle Paul goes, Okay, what I'm telling you is this is you've been gifted. That in you're thinking about what you're doing in the church, don't get lifted up in it because you're not impressive. It's the one who's given you the gift that is impressive. The one who's done that, who's able to take you and be able to do that. But what the Apostle Paul then challenges is this. This is what your thinking ought to be. Not that you are uh, one who is needed and everybody is just less than you. But what you find in verses 4 and 5 is that believers recognize their unique place in the body of Christ. That they have a part, that God has placed them in that church for a reason, for the sake of everyone else the reason that god gave gifts uh and first corinthians 12 talks about it is for the prophet uh, It describes it this way the prophet with all it's a weird term uh phraseology in first corinthians chapter 12 but the idea that gifts have been given for the profit of everyone in the church That God gifted you, and and understand this, and and this is one thing that I'm not going to spend much time on, but all of us have received a gift from God. Some spiritual gift. And in some cases, God has given at least one, and he's given, in some cases, two or three, as you see uh, some things mentioned in the gifts, uh, the sign gifts you find in 1 Corinthians 12-14, through and Romans later on, that you'll find uh, that there's some listing of gifts, but everyone has a spiritual gift. But why they've been gifted is not for them to just merely exercise this in a vacuum with nobody around. There is what we might uh, say, a term that uh, in the last few years I, I've come to hear more often and the like, but it's the, this idea that we're interdependent we need each other when you look at the scriptures uh it is not that there's a lone ranger type of christianity a christianity that functions without contact with anybody else now there are some people that they just by the nature of where they get saved and whatever they don't know any other christians but what god intended is that when a person gets saved that they automatically feel an affinity for other believers we talked about this two weeks ago that a person who's saved ought to love the brothers and sisters in christ they ought to just love being around them it it comes because of god working in a person's life but the gifting that god gives to you is not to be used on yourself because why God gifted you is not necessarily for you; it's for everyone else around you. That you need to uh, use those gifts like you would uh, a member of a a body. When you get to 1 Corinthians 12, it uses that illustration of the body and you have the, the hand and the eye and all of these things having a discussion. And, and it's a silly discussion in some ways, but you have the, the idea that the hand goes, well, I don't need the eye and I don't need and, and just go on. But when you think about the body, the body needs every part that's in there in order to function. I mean, you just take a leg and you have uh, the bone structure that's there. You have to have the bone there because if the structure's not there, nothing else is going to have the stability to work off of in order to eventually cause somebody to move. You have to have the tendons and the ligaments and the muscles and you have to have all of that in order to be able to then move uh, different bones uh, around a joint area. And you have to have uh, a system of, uh, called the nervous system that fires those muscles. But you also have to have blood in order to make that, uh, give the energy for the muscles to be able to work. And so you've got to have a way to get the blood uh, to those areas. And then you think about this. Why is the blood uh, coming in there? Well, it's providing the oxygen that's needed for the muscle to be able to function. So you've got to have a way to be able to get oxygen and then transport. And, and you just kind of look at the body. When anything goes out of whack... The rest of the body feels it the rest of the body knows you, you hurt an ankle and you you're the rest of you the rest of your body feels bad it affects you you've got a cold and you can't really breathe out your nose even though you can breathe it through your mouth uh, you're miserable because something's not working right And why uh, the Lord uses that illustration is for us to understand there's an interdependence. We are needing the workings of other believers in our lives for us to be able to, well, be the Christians we ought to be that we can't do it all ourselves, that God gives us other individuals in the church to come alongside and to work with us to make us more and more the person we ought to be, reflecting the character of Christ. To not be a part of a body of believers would be uh, not to be a member uh, in the sense of one of another that you're connected with other individuals is to miss out on a vital ministry where God said, I'm gifting this person and it's going to help the rest of the body, and you come in and God's gifted you with something and what you're doing is you're ministering to the body with the gifts that you have and it just goes back and forth and you have this reflecting that goes on all over the place. And so for us, we have to understand that we are members one of another. We're dependent on one another. We're not inter. Or excuse me, independent, we're interdependent. To be independent as a Christian will mean that you have stunted growth. Because you will not have other people helping you to be what you ought to be. And so the Apostle Paul, right from the start, is challenging these believers don't get away from other believers. You need to get together with other uh, believers, whether it's uh, in this uh, time and frame, the church at Rome, you need to get involved in the church at Rome. For us, it's to get involved here uh, in this body, reflecting to one another the giftings that we have and the abilities that we have. We're dependent on one another. We can't live and function and then become the Christian we ought to be, disconnected from the gifting that God gives to everyone in the church the apostle goes on in verses six through eight and he does give illustration of this of what the gifts are like he doesn't give a complete list in fact as you go through your bible and read the new testament and you look at the list of gifts none of the lists are ever the same I mean, there's a few that they they cross over that they have gift, but but you look at some of them, you're going, well, that 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 gift is not in any other list. What's that gift in comparison to this? And 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 so when you look at this, God uniquely enables individuals, gifts them to meet needs in a church body and for other believers. To do things that others in the body could not do, but they make the church function verse 6 just simply says this having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us what i'm gifted in is not what you're gifted in you know i i've thought about this some of you to be here where i'm standing it would terrify you and you're going i am thankful i don't have to be there you put me in the nursery and you go is the nursery ministry a necessary ministry and that absolutely it is. You go why why? Because it allows the individuals to be able to focus on what's going on in here and the preaching and the teaching time and that uh, without the disturbance of someone who has no idea what's going on so they're yelling out and whatever else and doing that you've got a ministry that is ministering to the body though you don't see the immediate effects of it you're not disturbed by it but to put me in a nursery i'd break out in a sweat i mean you'd be like you know here's a toy and you know whatever and the diapers filled. that that's you know okay you know hope someone gets here soon and so we, we understand from that that all of us have things that we feel comfortable in that God gives us an ease, uh, an ease to be able to do. We just see this and have this. We've all got different gifts. There's some people that like being around teenagers. There's others who were just like, how could you be so insane to work with teenagers? Or uh, I'm a, you know, a person who is uh, willing to uh, do paperwork administrative stuff i i I delight in this and there's others of you going i don't ever want to see a piece of paper but there are things in the church that require that and so the apostle paul just goes you have a unique gift you've got to use your gifts and they may be different and we'll just kind of go through it it's not for us here this evening to just kind of focus in on these gifts but understand here you have the very first one is prophecy and you go what's prophecy well for the apostle paul that was one of the more important things during his time frame when you have an early church that doesn't have a full bible it did not have the new testament written for it yet it's still got the old testament Uh, god inspired certain individuals to communicate truth and be able to do this now for some prophecy is this is that you're telling the future okay that's what prophecy is but as you read through your your bible in the old testament when you look at what people are doing as prophets in the old testament they're basically not foretelling they're forthtelling. they're going remember what god said back in deuteronomy remember what god said back in first samuel remember what god said here uh you're not doing it and they were just simply foretelling there were occasions, though, that they did tell, in the sense of, uh, foretell, in the sense of telling events before they happened, but that was not the major portion of their ministry. So in this early church, you did have individuals that did prophesy events that were going to happen. There's a guy in Acts by the name of Agabus who uh, prophesied that there's going to be a famine and actually prophesies that Paul's going to go into captivity, but he was described as a prophet. Uh, he did that but for the most part prophets major ministry was this is to tell forth what god wants declared and many times it's just uh, recognizing there are certain things that aren't going on and connecting that and in the ministry of paul it was more important as far as the whole body of christ to have that going on rather than somebody speaking in a tongue that nobody knew 1 corinthians 12 13 14 that's the argument if i have tongues i'm more important and the apostle paul gets to chapter 14 he goes i'd rather that you prophesied that you had somebody telling you what god wants you to know not that the person who's speaking in tongues isn't but you have to go through an interpreter and you have to go through this whole process whereas if you have somebody who's just telling forth the word what god wants and declares this will be the the good thing but that prophecy was for the benefit of other individuals it wasn't for the preacher uh, alone or you have the gifting there as you go through paul kind of combines these into a group of three here ministry teaching and uh, exhorting you say what's ministry well ministry translated elsewhere is just service you know, there's some people who are just gifted in the fact that they just go around and find things that need to be done and they serve. They don't, they don't like the spotlight. They don't want to be known for that. But they've got a knack for finding things that just need to be done. For people, whether it's a building or it's for people or it's for in their homes. They just, they, they find things to serve in. They minister. Or you have some that have the gift to be able to teach. They got the ability to be able to explain things to people and understand this is not just merely talking about a public setting where somebody gets up and there's a bunch of people there and they start teaching. You can teach people one-on-one. You have occasions like this where you have an individual by the name of uh, Apollos who comes into a church and starts preaching, or in a synagogue, and starts preaching things, but he's missing certain things. And you find that a couple comes along by the name of Aquila and Priscilla that are sitting in that synagogue, and they start teaching him one-on-one about the, the the, 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 the correct way of thinking. He was preaching just what John preached. He didn't know about what Jesus had done. And so they teach him, and all of a sudden, here you have a man by the name of Apollos who becomes a great orator, a great preacher in the church. And you say, where did it start off for him? He had two individuals, a husband and wife team, that were teaching him. Telling him, here's, here's what the Scripture says. Here's what you, you missed out on when it comes to Jesus. You didn't know this. You're just following what John the Baptist... And they had great impact. And it was just one-on-one Teaching. You can have people that have the gift of, as you see there in verse uh, number eight, exhortation. I would just simply, you know, translate this way: the gift of encouragement. There are certain people that have the ability to know how to make people, uh, I put it this way, feel better, see things in a better light. They can come alongside that individual, and that's the idea of that word excitation. It's the word it's the word paraclete, sometimes used to describe the Holy Spirit who comes along and helps us. Well, here you've got people who have that ability to come along somebody and encourage them, help them along. You know, they're going through a bad time, and they just enjoy being the individual through whom the, the Spirit is working to go along and help somebody out you have uh the last three gifts and i just go through those you have the idea of giving here you got a person who just loves to give now the giving is not for show i mean paul throws this in it's not for show you go and take care of individuals don't trumpet it because it says in verse number eight uh there he that giveth let him do it with simplicity no, no fanfare no nothing just go and do it and there are people that you will never know about i've heard some of the things that go on in churches because i get it like fourth and fifth hand sometimes that somehow this got taken care of and you go well who took care of that well so-and-so came and just took care of it well you know i as a pastor didn't you know get some directive and go okay somebody take care of this no somebody in the church body goes that person needs help and they just give and it's without fanfare but for that other person in the church that they gave to it had impact of encouragement strengthening bringing them along helping them Uh, you have some that have the responsibility to rule there are some that are just good at organizing and getting things together to to move things along that's their ability that they can promote and get things done. Uh, And God uses that talent and ability. And so what this person does is it says this, that they are to lead with diligence. The idea of diligence is that they're zealous and responsible. Sometimes people that are in leadership can be lazy and just skate by. And he says this, if you're in a responsible position of getting people to move, then do it don't have people tell you you have to go do this you just do that as god has given you the responsibility and there are some people who have the ability to and as it has there in verse eight a person who shows mercy do it with cheerfulness you know there's some people who don't deserve mercy mercy They deserve punishment. They deserve judgment. They, they deserve, you know, at times to be, you know, they need to hear this. But do you realize that there's other people that have that ability to come along this person and show them something that they don't deserve, and they do it with a smile? And they do a whole lot to encourage a person who has failed And they give them encouragement that it's not the end of the world. That they come alongside them and go, well, you know, this, this is really what you deserve, but you know what? God's been gracious not to give this to you or he do this to you. And, and you know what? God's given you another chance. And they strengthen what it sometimes talks about, people with feeble knees the weak, the sick, you have individuals in the church that have the ability to just go along with this person and, and get them back on their, i say this, back on their feet, spiritually. And, and that's not all the gifts that, that, that are in the scripture. But the Apostle Paul just goes, okay, you're part of a body, a lot of these can't be reflected to others uh, if you're not with those other people, that there is an interconnected responsibility that you have to be with others to reflect Christ in the gifts that you've received. Now, this is not a challenge like this, is not for you to go through and try and figure out what your spiritual gift is. I know there's, a, there's people at times that go, Well, what is my spiritual gift? Oftentimes it's just this. What does the Spirit move me to do? What does the Spirit help me to see? Oftentimes when you have people that come up and go, hey, this isn't being taken care of. You're the one that saw it. What do you think as far as the solution? Well, I think we should do this and this. Maybe that's God's ministry for you. You. No one else is able to fill that gap. No one else is able to do this. But what God has enabled you to be able to do is to see things and know how these things ought to be fixed. And you can come along in a church ministry and be able to take care of those things. And so for us, just a a challenge for us in reflecting Christ as a church body body of believers, we just need to remind ourselves that we need one another. There's a gift that you have that others in this church need. You say, I don't know what exactly it is. I can't define it. God's got you as a part of this body. And he's got you here to meet a need of other members in the body, if not the whole body itself. And you've got that glorious opportunity. But to absent yourself from church, suddenly it's this you're you aren't using that gift and there are people that are well not where they could be where they might be if you aren't there and so for us let's not take it and i I, you know at times you're you know feel like you're preaching to the choir be nice to do that but as far as you're here sunday night you know you're here and having these things and you're saying i'm here together with other believers you are but let's not forget that we're not just merely coming here to absorb. You know, pastor gets up, he preaches, I absorb that, I walk out. The question is what are you doing as part of the body when you come into this building? Or throughout the week, in reaching others that are in this body and helping them out, what are you doing? Because that's just kind of the expected thing. That's the, the beginning thing where a person figures out how to live the Christian life and is displaying it. You ought to be able to display it to other believers. Because there's going to become a time where you're out in the world and you're going to not have all those people there supporting you. And that's, that's, the, you know, that's not training anymore. That's the real world, we would put it in some ways. But you ought to initially be using these gifts and just continue to use them here. And then at times the Lord will send you out and you'll have those difficult tasks and missions that are out in the world, uh, that. But in an environment where you have other believers who recognize they're in need, they hopefully are humble, that they need help, that they'll take your help that you're willing to offer, and then you're willing to then take the things that they're offering. And in the end, they ought to be able to see look at this body what's going on amongst these people how is this possible and you can just simply say it's a work of god it's a work of christ where he is using believers to meet the needs of other believers they're connected to one another and they're using the gifts they are members one of another may that be said about us as far as individuals and as a church that we're reflecting that understanding that we have to help each other. And that we're doing that. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for these uh, individuals that are here. The impact that uh, they've had uh, on me. Conversations. Things done. Reminders. Challenges. Uh, exhortations that they've, they've given. And if we were to go through and just uh, allow testimonies here this evening, there would be people... That others would point to and go, that person has done such and such for me and has built me up in the faith and helped me uh, in this way. And if they weren't here, uh, I don't know if those things would have been taken care of in my life. There's a lot of that going on, Lord, and we pray that that would continue. That we would be uh, ones that are not absenting ourselves from uh, being here, but that we just delight in being here being a part of helping uh your name be displayed in this community and for christ to be seen and he can be seen through the gifting we've been given lord we thank you for saving us thank you for gifting individuals in this ministry may we see christ reflected in the way things go in this church and this we pray in his name amen